0: Welcome to the Currently Cringing Podcast. I'm your host, Anisha Ramakrishna. I'm a TV personality and entrepreneur. Join me as I spill the chai on my cringeworthy life experiences with a side of dating, pop culture, and lots of laughs.
1: Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.
0: Hey guys, welcome to Currently Cringing. It's the first week of the year and there's so much going on in pop culture, but I have to say, I really don't care anymore. I mean, I'm someone that used to be obsessed. I mean, obsessed with celebrity. All things Hollywood. I'd watch E! News. I mean, I can't even tell you when I've turned on the TV this week. I don't watch TV. Haven't watched TV in years. And, yeah, it's just... It's just not relevant anymore. I really think Hollywood is dying. But for the sake of everything that's happened this week, we'll talk about it briefly. But apparently the Golden Globes were on and Joe Coy, who's a Filipino comedian, made some misogynistic jokes. And he's half white, half Filipino. I know who Joe Coy is. I found him to be funny in the past did not find him to be funny at the Golden Globes. And I think, what else do we expect, right? Like, you put a guy up there and you really thought he was going to be kind about the movie Barbie. I actually loved the movie Barbie, you know? Me and my husband loved that movie. We did the whole Barbenheimer weekend. It was incredible. We loved Barbie just as much as we loved Oppenheimer, but I don't think it's getting the credit it deserves. Again, what's new? You know, that's life, being a girl on planet Earth. And it is what it is. And then he proceeded to make a joke about Taylor Swift and the NFL. And we're now talking about the highest grossing movie of the year, which was Barbie, and probably the most powerful woman in the world right now, Taylor Swift, who had the highest grossing concert tour of all time. And all we can do as a society is have someone host the Golden Globes and make fun of it. And you'll hear more on that next week, and you'll find out why next week. But in the meantime, I was talking to some of my close best friends. I have a few best friends. They're all women. And we were talking about how if the world isn't rigged and there is a chance that you can be recognized for your true talent and get the success that you deserve in this simulation or whatever you want to call it, if there is a level where you are recognized and you can win and none of it's rigged, then I hope we all reach our full potential and that really happens for all of us. Till then, we will keep working as women and do our best. And that's all I really have to say on that. Today, I actually wanted to talk about my trip to Africa We never really got into it at all last year. Last year was just chaos and hoping for some big changes in my life this year for the better. And I didn't really talk about it because there just wasn't any time. And we went to Africa. Why did we go to Africa? We went to Africa because it was just something we'd wanted to do for our honeymoon, which we never got around to doing because... The week of my wedding was Pure Chaos, and then the week after was BravoCon, and then the week after that was my debut show at Caroline's on Broadway, and then the week before my wedding was the girl's trip to Turkey. And of course, my husband had just started his new job. As many of you know, he's a surgeon, and going anywhere, even taking two days off, let alone one day, was just not in the cards. And it's been my lifelong dream to go to Africa. And so our one-year anniversary was in October of 2023, and we decided, let's do it. Let's go to Africa. And so we did, and I wanted to talk about it with you guys. Going to Africa is no joke. There is, however, a direct flight and we had been looking at direct flights. The flight from Newark, of all places, Newark, New Jersey to Cape Town or Johannesburg in South Africa. That flight is 14 and a half hours. And your girl's from India. Okay. I've been to India. I've flown direct 17 hours from Chicago to Delhi been there, done that. And we are dinks, dual income, no kids. And it was our honeymoon, supposedly a year later, and we were sparing no expense. We're researching flights, we want to fly business, and nothing is available. And I don't know where everyone's getting their money from. We have points and we work, obviously, as you know, we work very hard as a lot of people do in this world. And I don't know how on all these flights that we were looking at, the business class, the first class was all sold out, was gone. And so our only option was to fly via Qatar or Qatar. And as you may or may not know, it's the best airline in the world. They're famous for the Q seats where the whole like business class thing turns into a bed. If you've listened to the podcast long enough, you know none of that stuff appeals to me. I just want to be able to lie flat, like not trying to do anything in the bed, like I'm a germphobe, like, but I do want to lie down flat. And I've heard so many amazing things about Doha, which is a city in Qatar. And so we thought, okay, why not, you know, go via Doha? And we flew from Miami to Doha and we booked coach tickets and we were like praying for an upgrade of course we did not get the upgrade and 2 hours before the flight i mean we just bit the bullet you know we forked over the cash and upgraded ourselves and not to be an asshole like i know people rave about the q suites but it's a fucking plane like it's not like you're at the maldives or something that's on my bucket list but like we're we're acting like you know, it's some sort of hotel room on the plane, which I know those exist too, but it's just two lie-flat seats that kind of connect into a bed. And again, if you know me, we're not connecting the bed part. Like, me and my husband, like, we're germphobes. Like, we just want to lie down and get some rest. Nonetheless, beautiful airline, beautiful flight experience. We get to Doha at about 5 p.m. and we've taken the option where we have like an 11-hour layover. Mind you, we happen to land on the day the Israelis start bombing Gaza. And of course, because it's yours truly, we find ourselves in the Middle East, like literally in Qatar, as Middle Eastern as it gets. And I think that's another reason I didn't really post about my trip in real time, just because it was such a terrifying week, especially on social media. But life's happening, you know, it's like I'm celebrating my one year anniversary and a war is breaking out in the Middle East. Couldn't have timed it better. And so now we're in the Middle East. We're in Qatar. Everything's business as usual in Qatar and I can't tell you. Now, you may or may not know this as well, but I used to spend my summers in Dubai because my maternal grandparents lived in Dubai for 25 years. So I'm very familiar with the landscape and the luxury and everything you see on Dubai on social media. I mean, that's been around. Like, we've been there, we've done that. Qatar is 10x. Like anything you've heard or seen about Dubai, times 10. That's what Qatar is. The difference is, I think in Doha and Qatar itself, the entire country's population is like 600,000 or something crazy like that. I just looked it up. It's like 950,000, which is still wild that an entire country has 950,000 people. And so because of that, everything's kind of empty. And now we're here for 11 hours. Everything's open late because just like the Europeans and Indians as well in India, not the Indians here, everything's open well past midnight because if you know, you know, these people like they're they're starting dinner at like 10 p.m. Like while you and me are on our third dream, they're ordering apps. So now it's 5 p.m. And our flight from Doha to Zambia is at 2 a.m. So we've got all this time to paint the town red. And we've got the whole town, it seems, to ourselves. This place has got it all. I mean, they've got the Ritz-Carlton. They've got the Fairmont. They've got raffles. And if you don't know, raffles is this really world-renowned, stunning Exorbitantly expensive hotel. And typically raffles, you know, they're like 3,000, 4,000 a night. The raffles in Doha, we didn't stay the night, but the raffles in Doha was like 800. I mean, unheard of. So of course I'm like, I want to go to the raffles and we go to the raffles and it is the most majestic, magical hotel I have ever been in. I mean, The whole, the entire lobby is, like, made out of mirrors, and it's got this insane blue reflecting glass. They had this stunning tea parlor with little pastries, and it was just surreal. And we ended up going to the rooftop, and they had this jazz club bar situation going on, and we each had a mocktail, and you can drink there, but we did have a mocktail because we knew we were getting on another long flight and we we just don't like to drink anymore quite frankly and flying and drinking and skin and aging like yeah you get the gist and it was just insane and then after that we went to Jamavar which is a Michelin Indian restaurant that is also in London and in Dubai and in a few other places and it was just incredible. I had been with my sister in 2017, but it was lovely to go with my husband, and he loved it. And we just had, like, these incredible experiences, and they even had a Harrods tea lounge, and we went there, and, you know, I had my little scones. And of course, my husband was like, I love Doha, because all of these experiences, whatever you want to call it, they were like $20 each. And if you were to do these things anywhere else in the world, whether it's in Europe or America or in Asia, this would have run us $5,000 easily. All the things we ended up doing in Doha. I mean, all the posh restaurants, the fancy hotels we went to. I mean, we went to this fake man-made island. They have one too over there. It's called the Pearl. And they literally had like a make-believe. I don't even want to say make-believe because it was real. That's the wrong word. They had Venice. They literally created Venice and the canals. It was just mind-blowing. And we loved every second of it. And if it weren't for the weather... I would seriously consider spending my 40th birthday, which is in September, in Doha. I mean, my friend just spent New Year's Eve there, and she's like, we had a three-bedroom suite at the Four Seasons for $1,300 a night. And I know that sounds crazy for some, but a room with three bedrooms at the Four Seasons in the U.S. or in Europe or anywhere else for that matter— That would cost like $150,000 a night. Like, I don't think you guys understand. The price difference for just luxury in Qatar was outrageous. Like, it was the other extreme. Like, it was so cheap. And you go to the airport. I mean, the airport itself, there's like a Fendi cafe where you can order pastries. I mean, these are all things that most of us, people like me, like, These are things that I do once or twice a year, you know, when it's my birthday or, you know, a milestone happens and you want to go to La Durée and have your macaroon. Like, this was just so accessible in Doha at such a friendly price. It was just hard to believe. It was crazy. It was crazy that we did all that we did from 5 p.m. to 2 a.m., And those are things we probably could never do in Europe or America. I think we probably spent $200. And those $200 doing those same things in the U.S. or in Europe, that would have cost us like $5,000. And we did the most. We did it all. And then we get back to the airport and it's time for our flight to Zambia. And now why Zambia? You ask. I shit you not. Two weeks while we were planning our trip. And yes, we planned our trip two weeks in advance because my husband's a surgeon. He's in his second year now, starting his second year. And so we don't know his schedule. And with me and the comedy tour, like we didn't know. And so this is a situation like, yes, but I'm also a world traveler, guys. I took my first flight alone from Miami to Dubai when I was eight. So I'm a seasoned traveler. I know how to plan a trip very quickly. So while I was planning this trip, I was, of course, on TikTok because TikTok has just been a lifesaver. Like so many of you, I use TikTok like Google. And so I was looking at like awesome things to do at Africa. And in Africa, Zambia came up because it's home to Victoria Falls. And so is Zimbabwe, both countries. It's kind of like Niagara Falls is America and Canada. In Africa, Victoria Falls, the largest waterfalls in the world, is Zimbabwe and Zambia. And there, there's this little portion of the falls where there's kind of a deep pool and you can actually swim in it and then they hold on to your legs, the guides, and you can hang over the falls, which is what I posted on social media, which you guys can see. And everyone's like, oh my God, you're out of your mind. Like I would never do that. Trust me. I get it. I was watching these crazy people on TikTok and I was like, mm, I don't know if that's smart. And then of course This is why we're going to Zambia, because we want to hang over Victoria Falls, you know? That's that's why we went. And I believe it was one of the old Eight Wonders of the World, but they change them now every year. I I really don't know anymore. I can't keep up, but it's somewhere I have wanted to go since I was a child, including, you know, South Africa and the African safari and the whole thing. And so we thought, let's, let's go to Zambia. And I never thought in a million years that I would go to Zambia and hang over Victoria Falls. But here we are on our way to Zambia, had a great flight. And now I would be lying if I said that I was totally fine and it was no big deal. Like we just flew to Zambia. Like I'm like you guys. Okay. I'm an uninformed American for the most part. Like I may be brown. I have gone to India. And like I've said this before, I would not go to India alone. And here I am going to Africa and it is the unknown. It is super far away. You don't know what to expect because we live in the Western world. And those same Western ideas that a lot of you probably have about India, I have about Africa. You know, you don't know what to expect. You see what you see on TV, and it's not always good. And so we're nervous, okay? Like Zambia, Rhodesia, war. We don't know what to expect. And as soon as we land, it's everything you picture in your head. When you land in Zambia, like what you would think, that's exactly what it is. Like it's this little airport and you're like, okay, this is, this is it. I'm gonna die. I'm dying in Zambia. But everyone seems to be super kind, super informed. And I must say, the way Africans speak English, the African people their English, I mean, they're speaking the Queen's English. It is probably the most beautiful English I've ever heard outside of the UK. I mean, the way they speak, they're just so articulate and educated. And we just sound like complete morons over here in America. And of course, we use the bathroom. And, you know, again, stereotypes and we've been brainwashed. You're thinking. This bathroom, like, who knows what's going to be in there. And of course, it's the cleanest fucking bathroom I've ever been in. And I want to point that out now in the beginning before I forget. Every single public bathroom we went to in Africa was cleaner than any public bathroom I've been to anywhere else in the world. Every city, everywhere we went. Anywhere we needed the restroom, it was spotless. And I've never experienced that anywhere. So, kudos to Africa, the African continent, for just being absolutely amazing and blowing everyone else in the world out of the water with respect to a lot of other things, but especially with their public bathrooms. Like, wow. And I am a public bathroom connoisseur. I could start a Yelp on public bathrooms because of, you know, my IBS and all that. But yeah, shout out to Africa, the African continent. And so now in Zambia, we're in Lusaka. Again, if you told me, Anish, you're going to be in a place called Lusaka, I would have been like Luann, Real Housewives of New York. Like, that's where we were a couple of weeks Prior to the trip. I had no idea. And so now we're in Lusaka, and we've got to take a small plane to Livingston. And Livingston is where Victoria Falls is. And so we change terminals in what you can only imagine is like this rinky dink little airport, you know, it's kind of like a parking lot. It's crazy. And you know, I thought I was going to die when I landed in Lusaka. Wrong. I'm going to die on this plane that's going to take us from Lusaka to Livingston. What we all saw happen on Alaska Airlines this week, that's what I thought was going to happen to us on this airline, Airlink, which, by the way, again, blew my mind. One of the best airlines we've been on. I mean, this plane is super tiny. The planes are from like 1962, probably. I'm exaggerating. I don't know, but very old. But the crew, which is obviously the pilot and one person, they're still serving you food on this tiny ass plane. And, um, yeah, we're, we're getting on this plane. And, you know, I, I'm imagining what just happened on Alaska Airlines is going to happen to us. Like we're midair and part of the plane is going to fly off. Except we land and we're still alive. We meet the person we've arranged to pick us up from the airport to go to the hotel. And we start driving through the village of Livingston. And he tells us there's one traffic light in the entire town. Like, this is the town, hun. There's one traffic light, one shopping center, And of course, Victoria Falls. So we pass through the one traffic light. He's like, this is it. And there's nothing but dirt roads. Like there's really nothing else there. And we see some people, you know, walking, some kids, you know, ending their day from school and we're heading to the resort. And then you start seeing these signs like elephant corridor, you know, you're like, wow, like elephants really just walk around here, like, whoa. And we approach the resort and we decided to stay at the Radisson Blue. And the Radisson Blue is brand new. We paid $70 for the night that we were there. $70. I I still can't get over it. Brand new hotel. We were in like a villa. And the same thing, we actually stayed in the same Kind of thing in Zadun in Cabo for my birthday at the Ritz Carlton was like an arm and a leg, like ridiculous. The same thing in America would have probably cost us easily 10 grand. And this was $70. And we decided not to stay at the Antara Livingstone, which is a lot of what you'll see online, because yes, that's where the zebras and the giraffes roam around on the property. And you'll see a lot of social media posts on that. And the waterfall is right there, but it's outdated. It's really old and it is supposed to be really posh, but I'm really into modern hotels, as you know. So we decided to go with the Radisson Blue, which was the best decision ever. If any of you happen to go to Zambia, stay in Livingston at the Radisson Blue. So we get to our hotel, freshen up, And head to the Antara to have lunch with the zebras and the giraffes. You know, that's the hotel where they walk around. And also take our tour to Victoria Falls from there. Because that hotel is literally at the falls. Like, the falls are right there. So we get there. And it is just mind-blowing to see all the animals walking around wild and free. And as much as they say, you know, on National Geographic or whatever, like that they're there, they don't want to be around us, okay? Any animal we saw was like fleeing the scene. Like they do not want to be around humans. And they're probably tired of humans, quite frankly. And so we ordered a pizza, we're having lunch, and there's literally just zebras and giraffes, like, walking around. It's the most mind-blowing thing ever. And you're in front of the Zambezi River, which, you know, has the falls, Victoria Falls. And then you start seeing these, like, things in the distance come out of the water. And you're like, what is that? And then we had our pizza and walked towards the zebras and they were like fuck off and then went toward the water and there's this little deck and we're just admiring this whole thing you know like taking it all in you know those moments that you're like did i just fly from miami to doha to Lusaka to livingston and now i'm here like did that just happen in the past 48 hours So we're standing on this deck, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, these hippos start coming out of the water, and I'm just shook, like, they're opening their mouths, like, it is wild, like, I cannot believe this is all even happening. So we meet our tour guide, and for those of you who do plan on going to Zambia, we used bush tracks for our Zambia tours. And we get on this speedboat, and we're just cruising through the Zambezi River. It is just wild. And I learned that these waters are infested with crocodiles and hippos. Lovely. And now the guide proceeds to tell us that we're going to have to swim for a portion of this tour. Mind you, the tour was called Devil's Pool, okay? Like, I'm telling you, I thought I was going to die landing in Lusaka. I thought I was going to die getting on that little plane, but I've signed up for a tour called Devil's Pool, okay? And so there's a part of this Victoria Falls that's called Devil's Pool. Like I said, there's a little pool where, you know, you sit in that little pool and you're on the edge of the falls and these guides hold you and you can look over the falls. Don't ask me why I signed up for it, but now we're here. We're on the boat. We get to this little picnic-looking area and they're giving us life jackets and then we get the waiver, you know, the dreaded waiver. Like, you are you die, this is on you, hun. This is on you. You signed up for this. You die. We're not responsible. And in the world of traveling and guides, like, I'm going to keep it real, okay? We all have that one guide we want. You know, we're judging. We're like, okay, that guide looks like he's gonna live and he's gonna keep us safe. The others, not so much. And so, of course, I'm a super manifester and I manifest the guide I want, you know, because I'm judging. I'm like, okay, you look like, you know, maybe you're not going to catch me if I fall. Okay. I don't know if I'm going to survive with you. This guy, on the other hand, like, you know, he's lean, he's barefoot. Okay. If you're walking around barefoot, like that's, that's who I'm going with. And of course they start telling everyone, you know, you got to wear water shoes. And if no one has water shoes, like they have them available. No, we've come prepared because first of all, we're American. And second of all, we're very proud of our $5 water shoes from Walmart, and we will make sure they are getting used in Africa. And so we're the only ones in the entire tour, classic Americans who've come ready and prepared with our own water shoes. And so we head on over with our guide and he kind, kind of gives us the rundown. He's like, okay, you're going to have to swim across a portion of this and you've got to be very careful and hold on to the rope. So they've created this kind of makeshift rope situation. They've tied a rope from end to end of this little portion Of the river. So I'm trying to give you a mental picture. Imagine the falls are going over the cliff, right? The falls are going over. About 20 feet before, you can only imagine how fast the current is. They've created some sort of rope situation where you can hold on to the rope and swim your way to the other side which is Devil's Pool. Not the other side of the falls. The other side of this section on this side of the falls. Of course, I know. They've said these waters are crocodile and hippo infested. He's like, oh, no, they don't come near by the current. And we always check by throwing rocks in the water. You do what now? You check by throwing rocks in the water? Like, that's how you're trying to figure this out? So, of course, now we're here, and you have a choice at any time to be like, you know what, I'm I'm not going to participate, but we're here. We're in Zambia. I'm going to do this. And so it comes time to cross this river, and one by one, everyone's crossing the river. My husband, you know, my husband... This man is already on the other side. He's not waiting for me. This man suddenly is an Olympic gold in the butterfly. Like, I don't know what's going on here. He's on the other side. And now everyone's on the other side except me. And I'm looking at the guide and I'm like, dude, like, there's Crocs in there. And if you don't know, my biggest fear, one of my biggest fears is animals in the ocean and the vastness of large bodies of water, which thanks to TikTok, I know is called like thalassophobia or some shit like that. And I'm just terrified of large bodies of water and what's underneath bodies of water in nature. Like I'm fine in pools, but even a big deep pool, like forget it. Like no, I'm good. Like those whirlpools, like with the killer whales and shit, like goodbye goodbye. And so now we're here. And this man is like, okay, just get on my back. And this man became my husband, guys. This guy became my husband. I got on his back, held to the rope. He was swimming. And I was literally like a chimpanzee on his back. like. And he's now my husband. And my real husband, who's on the other side, I must say I was very proud of him. You know, it was it was kind of hot, like that he didn't give a shit and he was already on the other side. Like, it was very manly and rugged of him. It was definitely a turn on. So now we're all on the other side and there's a double rainbow, which the guide was like, it's here every day. Like, calm down. It's not just for you today. It's here every day. Like, way, way to think you're special. You were just on my back like a fucking ape. The rainbows are here every day. Both of them, the double rainbow. Calm the fuck down. And so we're taking our photos. We see the falls. And now it's time to get into this devil's pool area. And it's this little pool area. And you literally just jump in. And now you're at the edge of the fucking falls like you're right there. But because there's this protective barrier, it's like, think of a rock formation that also happens to kind of be like this swimming area, like a little jacuzzi, but it's not hot, but like jacuzzi type thing made out of rocks at the edge of the falls. It's insane. It's like a natural wonder. And we get in, could not feel the ground could not feel the ground, don't know how deep this is, and the water is rushing. But, you know, you can't go over because there's rocks. And so we're in this little devil's pool now, and all of a sudden, we all start feeling like little zaps. The best I can describe it is like when you get laser hair removal, like the little zaps you get, like the elastic, you know rubber band kind of pain and that's just happening all over our legs now and I'm like what is that and they're like oh those are the little fish in the river the what now the little fish in the river biting you yeah they like to feed off the hippo's dead skin and apparently ours and I'm like oh okay but we're here for the fucking photo okay we're here for the fucking photo and the video where we're hanging over the falls and let's get to it. So we take our little photos and we're hanging over the falls. Everything's great. The guide is holding our legs at any point in time. You know, this man could let go and we're done. Like we're overboard. Like it's over. It's a wrap. And it was me, my husband and this couple from New Zealand. And they were probably like, who is this annoying girl? but they were lovely they were boomers they were awesome and you know they were like your american accents like where are you from and we're like we're from dubai okay we just tell people we're from dubai because apparently people hate america and i love america but it's best not to say you're from here and thankfully we're brown but because of our accents people know we're from america somehow but we just tell people dubai now and it's fine I don't think they believed us, but that doesn't matter. You know, we're in Devil's Pool. You're from New Zealand. Like, who the fuck cares? We're in Zambia right now. Like, don't worry about where I'm from. And so now we take our photos and our video. It's time to go back, hun. It's not over. It's time to go back and do that rope thing again. The same way we came where I was like hanging on to my new husband, the guide, like a little chimp. We've got to go back now. Except I see the guide looking over at the distance. And I'm like, what are you looking at? Because I'm not a fool. Okay. I know this man has spotted either a hippo or a croc. He's like, oh, I saw a bird. I'm like, no, you didn't. You didn't see a fucking bird. What did you see? He's like, no, no, it was nothing. Like, come on, guys, come on. And of course, everyone else, including my, my husband, my real husband, Michael Phelps, he's on the other side on this rope, like, you know, just doing the butterfly. He's on his way. And guess who's standing on the rock again by themselves? Yours truly again. And the guide's like, okay, just, just get on my back. Except this time I don't even want to get on your back because you saw something. And he's like, no, I didn't see anything. And everyone's on the other side already. Literally like 10 feet of swimming. Everyone's on the other side already. And I'm like, nope. This man was like, please just, just, just get in the water. And so I can't tell you how much I was trembling. I was shaking. Okay. And you know, energy is everything. And especially in the water, I've been to the Great Barrier Reef, which they tell you there. If you're scared, don't go in the water because everything in the water is energy. They sense everything and you may not see what's down there, but every eyeball down there is on you. They know you're there and they're all looking at you. So I, I knew that. And so I didn't feel good, but I did it anyway. And by the grace of God, we get to the other side. Never jumped out of the water so quickly. And so we get to the other side and that was our time at Victoria Falls. And it was just magical and probably one of the greatest things I've ever done in my life. And I'm so glad I got to do that with my husband. And so the next day we had booked a Rhino walking tour because Okay, you thought you were going to die landing in Zambia. You thought you were going to die on the little plane. Then you thought you were going to die in Devil's Pool. But no, this is where it's going to happen because we've signed up for a tour called Rhino Walking Tour. Not sure why. I'm intelligent. I'm educated. I saw what happened to the submersible people, the billionaires in the submarine. Like, why... Have I signed up for this? And so we make our way on this tour. We're in this, like, ranger jeep. We're still in Livingston, and it's the next day. We did Devil's Pool the day we landed, and now it's the next day. We make our way through this jungle, and the ranger's get out of the car. They've got guns. And mind you, the guns are not for the animals. The guns are for poachers. So we get off and we start making our way through this jungle. And you can't run in this jungle because you will probably break your face because there's twigs and leaves and branches like this isn't like a jungle where you could just, like, run around. Like, you're probably going to trip on something and fall, you know, like the movies. And then T-Rex gets you, you know, Jurassic Park. That's, that's literally what we're in right now. And all of a sudden, we see an adult rhino and a baby rhino. I did not think I would see a baby rhino, let alone stand next to a rhino. Mind you, everything in Africa, for the most part, is wild, okay? And I wouldn't take part or participate in anything where the animals are drugged and all that stuff. And they do, sadly, have some of that shit going on there. We're in the wild, you know? You're, again, entering at your own risk. And I see this adult rhino and the baby rhino, and it's the most majestic thing I've ever seen, you know? And all of a sudden, we hear some scuffling. And then we see three male rhinos approach the adult rhino with the baby. We're now maybe five feet away from all of this. And my, you know, my intuition's kicking in. And I'm like, we're in their way. We're in their way now. And a funny thing I realized in Africa about animals, because I'm fucking Ace Ventura all of a sudden, pet detective. They really don't want to kill us, unless I guess they're famished and like hungry. Like they really don't want to kill us. It's just curiosity or we're in their fucking way, just like we were, you know, they're not trying to come get us unless we're literally standing in their way. And I just had a feeling we're in their way. And so we're with the guides, obviously. And, you know, we're with some other people on the tour. I think total, it was like six of us. And we're walking very quietly. And all of a sudden, one of the male rhinos attacks the female rhino with the baby. If you've ever seen a rhino fight where they're like locking horns and the dust starts to come up from the ground. And now I'm in a National Geographic documentary and David Attenborough isn't speaking, hun. Like, like this is how it all ends. This is how it ends. And thank God, you know, we were with rangers. They got into this fight. And it's the most terrifying thing ever. You're like, this is nature. This is nature. This is what these animals are going through every single second of the day. Their entire lives, their entire life is fight or flight. It's insane. We're so lucky to be human. And so we move out of the way and sure enough, The three rhinos come charging right where we were, pass through right where we were, walk right by us. And now I'm really scared and I'm shaking. And just like everything in the water is energy, everything is energy on land as well when it comes to animals. Okay? And so we slowly make our way back to the car but that was the most terrifying experience I have ever had don't recommend it but I'm glad I did it and trust me you don't want to get it get caught in a rhino fight let me tell you that you know we were we were right there we were in the way and luckily we were, were were with professionals, but even me not having that experience, not being a fucking ranger, you know, I knew we were in their way. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at
1: $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll
0: love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Like, you just know, like, you're not supposed to be there and... They just wanted to pass through, and they did. But had we just been standing there, you know, we we would have been in their way, and maybe I wouldn't be here to record this podcast. And so that was mind-blowing. And then we continue on this Jeep, and we see movement in the water. Again, the Zambezi River, which splits Zambia with Zimbabwe and Victoria Falls. And so we're seeing movement, and it happens to be elephants. And the elephants are mating in the river. And my mind is blown because I learned that they prefer to mate in the river because there's buoyancy. They prefer to mate in water because they can really move around in the water. And elephants, you know, they're massive. Imagine bony for an elephant on land, you know, they've got to get up on their hind feet and get the thing in. Whereas in the water, you know, it's just easier. And so elephants mating in the water. I I mean, words can't describe this scene. And yeah, we're so lucky we got to see that. And after that, we kept driving and we saw some giraffes and You know, the monkeys are terrifying because they just, they are not afraid. The monkeys are just not afraid. You have to be very careful. And, you know, they will come on the Jeep. And it's just very scary. But um, we made our way back to the hotel, the Radisson Blue, and we just enjoyed our evening poolside and had a lovely time. And the next morning, we flew to Kruger. National Park. And I think what was so hard about planning this trip is you don't realize the sheer size of each country in Africa. I mean, each country is so massive. So you're here thinking like, oh, I'll do a safari and then go to Cape Town. Like, no, like, that's a flight. Like, you can't just drive. You know, from Kruger to Cape Town, that's a flight. Like, everything is far away. And because it's Africa, you know, they don't have the facilities. And so there isn't a flight available at all hours, which is what we take for granted. In fact, there's no night flying in Africa because they don't have a lot of the capabilities. You know, they don't have the equipment required for night flying at the airports or on the ground. So we definitely saw as much as we could, but there were parts of Africa I would have loved to have seen, like the Namib Desert. But because of the flight situation, you know, you just can't fly to another city or another country in Africa because everything's just so far apart. You know, you can't just Book a flight and head on there. Like it just doesn't work that way over there. It's very different. And we're, we're very spoiled here in America. You know, there's like 20 flights a day to like the same city. Like that, that's not the case over there. And so we spent two days in Zambia and then we made our way to Kruger National Park. Again, we got on this tiny ass plane and for whatever reason, Everyone on the plane checked in their bags, except us. And we have carry-on luggage. We take carry-on luggage everywhere we go. And so we get on the plane with our suitcase. And mind you, these planes are so small. Carry-on luggage does not fit in the overhead compartment, which is why you check in your bags. But no one told us to check in our bags. So now we're sitting in the plane with our suitcases. And the flight attendant tells us, like, it's okay, just put your bags in the empty row behind you guys. And mind you, these are two-seater rows. Like, each row has two seats. Like, we're talking tiny-ass plane. And what really got me terrified was when she told the two young brothers, like, they must have been nine, the two brothers sitting next to us in the same row as us on the other side. She told one of them to move a row back for balance so that the plane could balance, but now you're telling us to put our carry-on luggage in the back row? Okay. (laughs) Somehow we made it to Kruger. And I had no idea that Kruger and South Africa, you know, we've heard about South African wines, but I did not know the extent of wine country in South Africa. The drive from Kruger National Airport to the Safari Lodges is one of the most beautiful drives I've ever experienced in my entire life. It's just rolling hills and lush and green. It's like Napa Valley on steroids. I mean, it's a beautiful sight. And again, no one tells you these things. The airport is a a two-and-a-half to three-hour drive to the lodges. And if you book in advance, you can fly on a plane to the lodge, which is like a 30-minute flight. But again, we booked last minute. And so there were no flights. And because we landed at 5 p.m., there's no night flights in most of these African countries. So the lodge sent a driver to pick us up at the airport. So we're on this two-and-a-half hour drive, which is just stunning. And there's wild baboons on the road. I mean, it is just something out of a movie. And we picked our lodge based off of recommendations from Ditz, who had actually gone a few months before us with his family, to Africa. And again, based on availability. Again, I don't know how everyone's paying for these trips, but most of the lodges were sold out. And the top lodges are a thousand to $3,000 a night. Again, we seem like we go on these trips for two weeks or 10 days. Not the case. We are going for like a week, like from one Saturday to the next Saturday. It's always rushed, but it is what it is. That is our schedule. And because of the flight situation and the flight schedule, we were only able to stay in the lodge for two days and they recommend three days to see the Big Five. The Big Five being rhino, elephant, lion, buffalo, and leopard. And the leopard is the most elusive. It's very hard to see. And there are only a few places in Africa, with leopards, like you won't just see them everywhere. Like I think people think you just see these animals everywhere and it's not the case. They're actually very hard to find. And that's why these lodges are so expensive because the better your lodges, they include these trips with, with trackers. You know, these people spend day and night searching for these animals and they coordinate with other lodges in the area and they give each other that information like, hey, I saw a cheetah here or, you know, we saw two lions over there. And that way, all of these lodges work together to make sure their guests were paying all this money, get to see the big five. Because you can go on your own and you can drive through Kruger on your own, which blows my mind that people even do that because everything looks the same in this Park, And we're talking hectares, not acres. Like, this place is massive, okay? And not only is it massive, it's wild. Like, this is open land. Like, open water, this is open land. Like, there's no gate. Like, you step out, you could get eaten by a lion. I don't know why you'd want to do that on your own and get lost because everything looks the same. It's literally just wilderness and it goes on for hectares and hectares. Like you don't even know where it ends. And there's animals everywhere and you know, they're camouflage. So you don't even know where, where you're going or what you're seeing. So I really commend those people that like DIY it. You know, they go to Kruger. And they deal with the traffic and see the animals, but then you're also waiting in a line if you do see an animal in your car. But the point of paying for these lodges is that they arrange everything, and they're all inclusive for the most part. You know, your food's included, and they're top-notch. So we finally get to our lodge, Lion Sands, and the top three lodges for cheetah sightings are... Lion Sands, Singita, and Londolazi. My first choice was Londolazi, but it was sold out. And Singita was just way too far. It was like further down away from the airport. Like Lion Sands is what worked. And it ended up being the experience of a lifetime. We got so lucky. And so at all these lodges, these luxury lodges, you get a game drive in the morning and a game drive at night. Because we didn't have the time, we missed the night game lodge because they start at 5 and we landed at 5 p.m. So we missed it. But they start at 5 because you don't really want to be out there when it's pitch black and you don't know what is coming your way. Because I learned that rhinos and Hippos are very dark at night and you don't even see them, so one could be in front of you and you would not know, which is terrifying. And so they like to start at 5 at around sunset and end while it's getting dark. Then the morning game drive starts at 5 a.m. and ends at 9 a.m. So due to our time constraint, we missed the night game drive, which would have been so cool. And we only had the following morning game drive because we were leaving the following day at 3 p.m. So we finally get to our resort, the lodge, the Safari Lodge, Lion Sands. And it is the most magical, spectacular place. I mean, I can't even wrap my head around it to this day. Like, I still can't believe I got to stay somewhere like that. You know, there's lanterns everywhere. It's situated on the Sabi River. And you always want to be by the river because that's where all the animals go to, you know, drink water. And now it's nighttime. We're here. There's lanterns. They take us to our lodge. And, you know, when you're at a hotel and you don't touch the minibar, because, like, the meme says, like, it's going to bankrupt me. Like, I'm not going in the mini bar. This was the opposite. Like, it's a fully stocked minibar. And it's got everything, guys. Like, any kind of liquor you could think of. Like, the good stuff. Like, top shelf. Like, everything. And all the snacks are in-house. So, like, you don't get, like, Frito-Lays, okay? This is, like, the fucking wilderness. Like they're making everything in house. So they've like made chips. They've made potato chips. They've made the granola bars. They've made the chocolate chip cookies. Like everything has been made on the premise. They fucking made Cheez-Its. Okay. So I think I entered the room, which was huge, facing the river, entered the room and I think I ate an entire canister of Cheez-Its, the homemade Cheez-Its, and then we made our way to dinner, and there's this custom menu. It's got our names on it, and it's got this selection, like a full-blown menu. It's not just a menu with our names and what we're going to be served. It's an actual menu for us, the vegetarians, with options, like a selection of appetizers, a selection of main courses, a selection of desserts. And you can just pick whatever you want and any amount. It was just crazy. And there's a fire pit going and you're sitting perched up, you know, on a hill looking down on the river. And we're being told if you want to go back to your room, when you want to go back, Let someone know they will take you to your room in the case you walk into a buffalo. Like, why doesn't anyone talk about this stuff? You know, like you see those social media posts. No one tells you these things. Like, you're literally in the wilderness. It is not guaranteed safe. You're in the wild with the animals. The animals are walking around and they could come onto the lodge. And so we finish this incredible meal. I'm still taking everything in because I can't believe I'm here. And we tell our server, you know, we're ready to be taken to our room, our lodge. It's actually a lodge. They're all lodges. And so this man proceeds to take us. He's very kind. And he starts to tell us like, oh, like just the other night, you know, a couple heard a lion attack and eat a wildebeest outside their room at 3 a.m. Say what now? Like, no one talks about this shit. And so we make our way back to the lodge. And now we're just sitting in here and I see the Cheez-Its have been refilled. Like, they've already come in and refilled everything I ate. And I'm a tea person. And so I open the drawer and they've literally got this insane collection of luxury teas. And so I've never been this person. I swiped the entire tea collection. I'm talking like 40 special little boxes of tea. And sure enough, They were replaced and I took the second batch as well. And I've been consuming that tea since October. Okay. I had some of that Ceylon tea this morning. I mean, it was like an assortment, like the most magical teas you've ever heard of. It was like a mix, like best, best thing I've ever done. I love how I'm like, Oh, I swiped it. Like, no, you fucking paid like a couple grand to be in that place for one night. Like, you deserved all that tea it needed to be robbed so now we're just sitting there me and my husband and we're excited and it's the room like you you would see you know on a social media post or in a movie you know it's got the mosquito net the whole thing and we look at our balcony and we're like you know in most places you want to go out to the balcony except this balcony is on the river And the last thing I want is to get eaten by a lion. And so we don't even open the door to the balcony, you know, because there's like a screen door as well. But we're like, nope, nope, we're good. We're going to play it safe. And we get ready for the game drive the next morning. And we've told reception, like, hey, we've got one game drive. We really want to see the cheetahs. Like, that's all we want to see. We saw a lot of the animals in Zambia, but we're here for cheetahs. And because we've paid a lot of money to be here, they've made sure our guide knows that we really want to see cheetahs. And basically, you're paying to stay at this lodge, these lodges, to see the big five. A lot of people don't see them. And in my case, I'm thinking you're spending all this money To go all the way to Africa, just fork it over, stay at the luxury lodge and see all the animals. You could stay at Kruger at the park itself and do it on your own. If you have time, if you have like three to four days to just hang out at the safari lodge, you can do that. We only had a day and a half. That's just what the schedule was. And so we paid a lot of money. And the next morning we woke up and they give you a tea or a coffee, whatever kind you want. You want a fucking like latte with sprinkles, like coming right up, like whatever your heart desires. And then after the game drive, you have your full on breakfast. And so I had a green tea, my husband had a coffee and we meet our guide named Cruz and he knows we're here to see the cheetahs. And we're with another guy named Greg Whose wife wanted to sleep in so she didn't show up? Excuse me? I guess people have a lot of money to blow that you can sleep in. And they're like, no, we've been here for three days. Like we're exhausted, but this is the last day. And so, you know, I just came on my own. I'm like, okay. I guess people are living like that, you know, just sleeping in. Three days in a safari was too much. Tired of all the animals. Must be nice. And so it was their last day, that couple's last day, and the wife slept in and the husband was like on his own. And then it was like me and my husband. And they were from Philly. The guy was really nice, by the way. And he was like, Oh, I've already seen all the animals. You know, I've been here for three days. I'm like, yeah, we're here to see the cheetahs. And so we're driving and we see the elephants and, you know, we see the giraffes. And once you get to Africa, you realize real quick, like, the zebras, like, not a big deal. Like, at first you're like, oh, zebra. And then after the thousandth zebra, you're like, whatever. It's so crazy how we just, like, <gasps> whatever the zebra. Like, who cares? Like, we've already seen you. Boring. And we're just looking and looking. And we haven't seen a lion. We haven't seen a cheetah. And now... I'm trying to stay positive. And now we start seeing the same animals, right? Like the wildebeest, the buffalo. And you're like, okay, that's great. Like, where's where are the fucking big cats? And so each game drive not only has a driver, but has a tracker. Like there's a guy sitting on a chair that's built on the hood of this vehicle, this safari jeep. And he's like keeping an eye out while the guide is driving it's it's pretty insane and so our tracker gets off and he's like oh i think those are lion footprints and i'm just going to try to find them and he gets off and he gets this little stick and he starts walking off and i'm like what the guy's just wandering into literally the lion's den with a stick like, I I, I really don't know how this works. It, it still blows my mind. Like, they're just walking around looking for lions. Like, it's crazy. And sure enough, he found the lions and he comes back on foot and gets back on the chair on the hood of the car. And we start driving and we see these lions. Now, I've seen lions, but I've never seen a lion up close. Like, obviously, when I was a kid at the zoo, These are real lions, like in the wild. At any point in time, no one tells you this. Like, they can climb on to the Jeep and just eat us. Like, this is an open Jeep. Like, we're not covered. It's like open air. It's, it's the craziest thing. You realize how small you are. These lions are ginormous. I, I believe the paw, like the lion's paw, was the size of my entire head. There were two male lions and three lionesses. And they were just chilling. And he's like, yeah, they just ate a giraffe. Oh, nice. Glad to know they're full. And for whatever reason, I was just shaking, you know, just shaking, looking at the lions. And nothing prepared me for what we saw after. So we see the lions. He's like, are you guys good? Like, are we okay to move on? Like, yeah, we're good. Like, this was amazing. You know, we probably spent about 15 minutes, like, observing the lions. It was just, I mean, incredible. And then we make our way through these trees And he's like, we've heard where the cheetahs are. You're going to get to see the cheetahs finally. And this must have been like the universe or something because it wasn't looking good for us. Like it wasn't looking like we were going to see the cheetahs. And out of nowhere, like in their little walkie-talkies, like they heard like there was a cheetah sighting. And we start driving through these trees. Like we're tearing the trees down with the Jeep and we see another safari Jeep ahead in the distance and we slow down and we make our way right behind the other safari Jeep. And just two feet, not even, maybe a foot and a half in front of us, there are two leopards. I don't know if I've been saying cheetah this whole time. I mean leopards. There are two Leopards mating. And I'm thinking, is this a sign? You know, me and my husband are like giggling because we saw the elephants mating in Zambia and now we're seeing the leopards mating. And this is like a once in a lifetime opportunity. I mean, to see leopards mating in the wild, even the driver, Cruz, was like, I've never seen this, and I live here. We are shook. And it's terrifying as well, because again, we're in their way, you know. They're trying to mate. And apparently they mate every 15 minutes when they're in heat. And this could go on for days when it's their time. And we saw them mate about four times. And we're a foot away from them. And again, you just feel like, what is the point of anything? Like, I am so insignificant. I am such a small, tiny grain of sand, meaningless part of this planet, you know? It's just, there are no words, you know, for what it feels like when you see that. And at any point in time, these leopards could jump on the Jeep and maul us or kill us. But, you know, you take the risk. That's what people don't talk about, which blows my mind. Like, no one talks about this, that, like, you are risking your life going on a safari. I've got the most beautiful, fabulous photos. I brought my Canon with me, the Canon that I bought for myself in the pandemic to take thirst traps of myself when I was single, which I never used. I took that with me for the first time on a trip you know, and use that in Africa for the animals. And so we make our way back to the lodge. And again, there's this breakfast menu with our names and a selection of whatever we want to eat. And I think we had like an acai bowl, some chia pudding, pancakes, a matcha latte, croissant. I mean, I think we ordered everything like an omelet, like we had everything. It was just incredible. And while we're eating breakfast, elephants and hippos are crossing the river and the Sabi River is very shallow, you know. So you're you're seeing these animals and they've barely got their feet covered, you know, because the Zambezi River is deep and so you don't see the animals. They're like, submerged, but the Sabi River is very shallow in the dry season. And so you were literally seeing this line of animals cross the river while you're eating breakfast. I mean, can't make this shit up. And we just enjoyed the rest of our day at the lodge. You know, that's all we had. You know, we were leaving that same afternoon. And so we just like spent time by the pool and Even walking around, we saw deer, and impala. And after three days in Africa, the impalas, again, like the zebra, you're like, whatever, you're basic. And once we went back to the room to get our luggage, there was a buffalo. There was a buffalo at our balcony, like on our balcony, like just checking us out. It was It was insane, like just craziness, craziness. And we made the drive, you know, again, two and a half hours back. The the driver from the lodge took us back to the airport, to Kruger National Airport. And we got on this tiny plane and flew to Cape Town. Now, I was nervous because Cape Town is very dangerous, by the way. It is the third murder capital in the world, apparently after the U.S., shocker, and the U.K., and then third is Cape Town, actually, like South Africa. And despite our positive experiences so far, I don't want to mislead anyone here, just like I was very frank about my Middle Eastern trip to Jordan, Israel, and Egypt. I want to be very upfront. These are not safe places. We were safe because we paid a lot of money to be with safe companies, proven companies, companies that have experience, that have guides, that have professional drivers. Like I don't understand the people that just go and like backpack. But I've never understood it. I think there is an element of danger when you do that. And if you are going to go on one of these trips, just just spend the money and be safe. Like, sure, stay in a hostel in Europe. But if you tell me you're going to India and you're staying in a hostel, I'm going to pray for you. So you just have to be very careful when you're planning. Safety comes first when you're traveling to these foreign parts. You know, it's, it's the unknown. And anything goes in a lot of these places. Like, you can die, and no one's coming to get you. No one's investigating where you are. Like, that's it. You know, you're done. It's over. The laws are different. And so I was a little apprehensive about Cape Town. And from the plane, you know, just landing at sunset, we could see Table Mountain. And it's truly one of the most beautiful places I've ever been to, South Africa. So, of course, we had hired a driver in advance to take us from the airport to our hotel, and he was very nice. And midway, his van starts smoking and just stops in the middle of the road. So now it's probably 10 p.m., and we're stranded on the road in a murder capital of the world. And thank God there was like an angel looking after us. There was an Uber and we weren't too far away from our hotel. And, you know, we said, good luck. Hope you get your car fixed. And we got into an Uber and fled. And we only did Uber Black in Africa. And it's actually a lot cheaper. Like it's like $15. The Uber Black prices in Africa are what Uber X prices are here. Like, it's crazy. So we only did Uber Black everywhere we went. Not that that means anything, but, you know, it makes you feel better. So we finally got to our hotel. We stayed in Camps Bay, which is like the bougie cliff beach area. And the next day we had this whole big tour planned to go to the Cape of Good Hope with a private driver. We had hired a driver in advance. For those of you who do plan to go to South Africa, to Cape Town in particular, if I were to do it again, I would probably stay in the Victoria Harbour area versus Camps Bay. Camps Bay was really nice and bougie, but it was kind of really deserted and quiet at night, which was kind of scary, whereas Victoria Harbour is kind of lively and... And you don't get the beautiful views that you get in Camps Bay, like the cliffs and the ocean, but you still have the water and there's a lot of action. Like There's a lot going on there versus things just die down in Camps Bay because it's more of like a bougie residential area. The next day, we were picked up by our driver who was amazing and we spent the next 14 hours with him the the man took us everywhere. I mean the man took us to the Cape of Good Hope. And the Cape of Good Hope, right? Like you read this shit in your history books and you're like what, what is that? Like what is a cape first of all? I learned what a cape was by the way. And I feel so uneducated because I try to read as much as I can and learn as much as I can, but, like, I didn't know why Cape Town was called Cape Town, and it's because it's on a fucking cape, okay? Did not know that. And so we went to the Cape of Good Hope, which is crazy because the Indian Ocean and the Atlantic Ocean meet there, so we got to touch two oceans in one day, like, wild. We saw penguins, and we almost got attacked by baboons because the baboons are just everywhere in Cape Town. It's actually a problem. There's a whole YouTube documentary, like the baboons of Cape Town, they're taking over these like bougie neighborhoods, like with homes on cliffs and, you know, rummaging through people's homes, like it's bad. And apparently when you see an alpha, that means They are leading a pack of a thousand baboons, and those are the ones with the yellow tags on their ears. So, of course, we walk by one. We're like, holy shit, that's the alpha. And then out of nowhere, this little other baboon comes and shows its teeth at my husband. And we freak the fuck out because, you know, when some animal is showing you its teeth— It's trying to show its power over you. It's trying to dominate you. And that's not a good sign. But of course, we were with white people and white people are crazy. And the white people were like, stand your ground. And they were like, scaring away the baboons for us because white people aren't afraid of anything. It's really commendable. Because remember Michael Phelps from Zambia, my husband? Yeah, he was nowhere to be found once the baboons were like trying to attack him, like he was shaking in a corner. We saw penguins, and we saw people canoeing, you know, during whale season. And that's when I realized, like, those TikTok videos you see of people, the kayakers, getting hit by the whales or, like, kayaking with the whales. That one particular video, if you haven't seen it, go look it up, where the woman on her kayak, like, falls into the whale's mouth and it spits her out. Like, it's insane. Like, this is what white people do. Like, it's whale season and they're, like, canoeing in, like, shark, great white shark-infested waters. Like, it's crazy. And we did want to do cage diving because we're crazy um to see the sharks, the great white sharks. But we read that the orcas, you know, you've been seeing those on social media, the orcas have taken over. And so... There aren't really any more great white sharks in the area. I don't think I would have done that anyway, quite frankly. I don't know. I say I would have, but like, no. No. And then, no one tells you this either. There's wild zebra and ostrich. Is it ostriches or ostriches? Like, ostrich. I don't know. There's wild zebra and ostriches running around Cape Town. Like, no one tells you this shit. On top of the baboons. So we saw some ostriches as well. It's crazy. And I'm going to be honest, you know, everything in our trip was immaculate. Just our time in Cape Town. I have to point out that I know there's no longer apartheid in South Africa, but racism is still Pretty prevalent, and I didn't see it firsthand, but what I did see was white people in positions of power, and everyone else is not. Like, every manager was white, and then, like, the staff, the service staff is black, right? It's like, it's very obvious that it's still part of the culture. And there's segregation and neighborhoods are still split up in a way. We went to some of the really wealthy neighborhoods. There are no Black people in sight. And then you go to the bad parts of town where you're told you can't even get out of your car. And those are the Cap Malay neighborhoods. And those are the people who are from Malaysia and they're mixed race. You know, everything there is kind of mixed. You have like the Kap Malay mixed people who've mixed with the locals. And then you have the Black neighborhoods. Then you have the Muslim neighborhood. And then you have like the white areas. And the white areas are, you know, the beautiful areas. And there's a very interesting recent documentary that we actually watched while we were there in our hotel room about how South Africa is actually moving backwards because of corruption. You know, they have load shedding, which is when the power goes out during the day. And we didn't experience any of this because we paid to be at like luxury, you know, hotels where they probably have generators and we ate at, you know, luxury, nice five star restaurants. And so, of course, if you have money, you're not experiencing any of this, but if you're just a regular person living in Africa, in South Africa, you know, you're probably not getting hot water. You're probably not getting water at all sometimes, or you probably don't have power for like four to five hours a day. And this is happening because they're moving backwards, you know, the economy isn't doing too great. And racism is still prevalent. And it's unfortunate. And so that was kind of bittersweet, right? Because we've had this amazing trip, and we're spending our last 24 hours in Cape Town. And it's one of the most beautiful cities in the world. Yet it's so dangerous. You could literally get your throat slit in some parts. And there's still apartheid. And no one's talking about this. I didn't know everything, practically everything in South Africa is Dutch-owned. Like Elon Musk, like all these people. Like, you know, they're, they're all like part Dutch and really, really wealthy, you know. They have a lot of money. And they're controlling the show. And the majority of the people, the local, the African, is broke and does not really have a chance to do much or be anything. And so it was disheartening and depressing. So we had a fabulous 24 hours in Cape Town. And then the next day, our flight was at 1 p.m., And so we went to this famous farmer's market. I'm going to butcher the name, but it started with an O. And another place called the Old Biscuit Mill, which is like a revamped factory area. Kind of like hipster Brooklyn vibes, but everyone's white. Everyone's white in these areas, you know. And it was awesome. It was fun. And I'm glad I got to go and see all of that stunning farmer's market, but there were no people of color in those places. And we went to the airport and flew back to Doha. We had a very short 30-minute layover, and we were promised an upgrade at check-in. And then when we got to the gate, they said they made a mistake And they promised someone else before us and they forgot or some weird shit. And it was like boomers, of course. Guys, this was a 16-hour flight to L.A. from Doha, Qatar to Los Angeles. And when we got on the plane, there was another man screaming because they had moved him around, too. Except he was like causing drama and they were like, well, you can get on the next flight. And obviously he wasn't going to do that. And he was just like walking around ranting till we finally took off. But it was so crazy because he was so pissed. And I was like, I was pissed too, but now just fucking deal with it and we're here now. And then we landed in Los Angeles and took our little humble 35-minute flight back to Scottsdale. And I'm so grateful for these travel experiences. It's really what I live for. And I love to travel so much, but I've never been that person that is like, oh, can I live here? Like, every time I go to a place, like, no, like, I'm good. Like, I love to travel. I love seeing the world. And I love my life in America. And I love coming home as well. Like, I like the escape. And then I want to come back home. I love America so much. You know, I love my ice cubes. You know, I I love Walmart. Like, I'm, I'm here for it. I probably sound like a MAGA person when I talk about my love for America. Like, you see those people that are like, I'm moving to Europe. Like, there's quality of life there. Like, nope, I'm good. I'm staying right here. I'm staying in America. Like, you can't pay me to move anywhere else, okay? I am from the third world. I was born in India. Like, I don't think people understand how lucky we are. We have it so good here. And it's nice to come home. And I just wanted to share my trip to Africa with you. I'm so grateful for the experience. And I came back in one piece and it was a life changing trip. Definitely trip of a lifetime. And I think travel is knowledge. And if you have the means to travel, then go out there and see the world. I hope you enjoyed that episode. And if you have any questions, you know, feel free to email me or DM me. Thank you for listening.
1: Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince.